1: Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna and I'm Jenny, and this is hyphenated the podcast about living in the hyphen. How are you, Jenny? how I feel.
0: Here I am existing. In i time, mean i think that space. that
1: for me that's the most appropriate answer for 99 percent of the time it's like i can't give you i i haven't really checked in with my emotions i haven't had the time i can just tell you that i am breathing is usually how i want to respond to that question
0: people just don't know how to take it though when i'm that honest because i, I feel like a dumbass being like i'm good and then as like the ud is coming out i like there's this negative piece of shit that lives in my brain called anxiety and it's just like no bitch you're not good
1: tell them no, the bitch, truth. No bitch, you're not good. And if you're good, it's not going to last long. So you exactly. better tell them about it. I'm like, you
0: know, whatever. <laughs> like I'm here. You know, I sound like one of those viejas in La Clinica complaining.
1: No, I feel the same way. I feel this. I feel the exact same way. I'm also like highly jet lagged. It's like 3 a.m. for me. <laughs> it's either 3 a.m. or like 2 p.m. I don't know what it is. My body is so fucked up. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, yo. When I
0: fly from Miami to LA, I'm jet lagged. That's not even
1: real jet lag. That's not real jet lag. That's just an inconvenience. <laughs> convenience <laughs> uh, so i just got back from from paris i went to visit papote my grandpa papote. who's been stuck there Papote, Papote, te voy a dar una that means um, vagina
0: in um other
1: countries in, in, in dominican republic mm-hmm. we unfortunately figured that out when we made family hats for his 86th birthday and we went there and we had the word for my grandpa's name which also means vagina in dominican republic so we wrote the vagina family for them um so i went to visit my grandfather jenny and i have a really please of story. course
0: of course you come from france and you have a story to tell i
1: feel like i'm the forrest gump of just unfortunate incidences do you know what i mean like oh i'm in the jury pool for harvey weinstein my oh. building burnt like Caught on fire. Um, like all these I feel like I'm just a magnet for bad luck. But anyway, so I check into this hotel and it's the type of hotel that has like one guy who does everything. It's like the one guy works at the lobby, it's the same guy who serves you drinks at the bars, the same guy that serves you your breakfast, is the same guy that like looks at you judgingly when you enter late at night. You know what I mean? My so God. I check in. And immediately, the guy is kind of a dick to me. And I'm like, oh, I'm in Paris. He's just being French. It's fine. Um, he hates my French. It's fine. But then, like, his he's just an asshole for, like, four days. He's just being purposefully rude to me and my sister. And I like, just, like, I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, am I saying something in French wrong? Did I, like, accidentally call him a dick instead of a monsieur? Like, I don't know what I did. <laughs> And one night I went downstairs, I was starving and I wanted to order some cheese. So I go downstairs, and I order some cheese. As one does in France. As one does in France. I'm like, mm. honestly, France is the place I was supposed to be born in because I don't like sweets. I-, I just love cheese. It's like the one thing I can consume <laughs> without any issue in my life. Mm. And I'm there and um, he like takes my order angrily and just leaves. And I'm like, I want to make a conversation with this guy. I want to like figure out what's, what's going on. And he comes and he brings me my cheese, like, and almost, like, slams it on the (laughs) table. And I'm like, so where are you from? And he's like, oh, uh, you know, I'm from around here. Where where are you from? I hear you speak Spanish. Are you from Argentina? And I'm like, oh, does this guy, like, not like Argentinians? I'm like, no, I'm from Venezuela. Oh, you're from Latin America. I'm like, yeah, I'm from, yeah, I'm from Latin America. And your last name is Hausman. And I'm like, yeah, my last name is Hausman, like the boulevard, like the the architect of Paris, the city we're in. Yes, that's my last name. And he's like, you know, I remember the day they caught the SS general, whatever, Hausman, the Nazi. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And he's like, you're from Latin America. You come from a Nazi family. And I was like, uh no, my family's Jewish. We went to Latin America because we were kicked out of here and Ellis Island was closed. It's the opposite situation. And he was like, oh, I don't believe you. And I'm like, I don't care if you believe me, but you probably shouldn't be telling, like claiming to the guests at your hotel that they are <laughs> Nazis or descendants of Nazis when they're Jewish. Like, what the fuck <laughs> are you doing, dude? Like, it just felt like a, a claro
0: feeling of like...
1: Talking in Spanish, and you automatically go, Oh, this this woman must be, you know, the descendant of a Nazi. I mean, what do you? I mean, what is the logic? What are the what are the gymnastics, the mental gymnastics do you have to do to conclude that? And the next day, my cute grandpa comes to like pay my bill because he won't let me pay for my hotel. And I like look at the guy in the eye. Like, I'm like staring at him while he's like looking at this sweet old jewish man with a cane like and i'm like how dare you assume this shit about me we're you know and it's just like one of those examples of when my identity is assumed Cause for him, it's like absurd to think of either a Jewish Venezuelan, a Venezuelan with a with a, you know, Jewish last name or or a German last name that isn't linked to the history of his country. Do you know what I mean? Oh it my felt God. absurd. It's very funny how for people like us and for people like our guest today, revealing your identity almost feels like a magic trick. <laughs> like surprise this is who i am and it's like david blaine made a building disappear it's like oh i'm from venezuela do you know what i mean (gasps) it's like the equivalent reaction um and it's one of the reasons we were so excited to invite our guest today to come speak to us and uh, fill our lives with joy because we've been watching his videos online and they're really funny and cackling True, true bruja cackles
0: coming out of me watching his stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jose Sarduy is our special guest. He's a Cuban American stand up that takes audiences on the roller coaster ride that's been his life. Born in Cuba and deported because his father was a political prisoner, he came to the US as a kid. His viral comedy videos really show us what living in the hyphen is about. Bienvenido. Josie. Josie, hello. welcome. Hi, welcome, everybody. Jason. Jason. Hello.
2: <laughs> yes, Jason. The worst one I ever got was uh ladies and gentlemen, come to the stage. Uh this guy's really funny. We're good friends. Give it up for Matt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> yeah, told he I, I went on stage and I said, My name's Jose. We just met.
1: He looked at your face and he's like, he has the no, face of a mat. He's a mat. This Absolutely makes sense. It's not. fine.
2: Totally a mat. Yeah. So.
1: <laughs> um, well, we've been watching uh your stand up, and I gotta say, there's something that I just feel so reflected in, which is you you talk a lot about how people just can't believe your background. Like people just can't believe where you're from. Yeah. And is that something you always lived with? Or, or was it like more when you
2: became an adult? Well, in Miami, I was surrounded by Cubans. So, like, right? yeah. So, it, they were like, este blanquito cubano, claro.
0: Claro. <laughs> like, what else <laughs> is el there? el barrio, you know?
2: todo el mundo, en Hialeah es cubanito cubano, que blanquito. <laughs> um, but um, I think when I started traveling and people had a preconceived notion of uh, what a Hispanic or a Latino is, uh, then I just, Kind of subverted that expectation, uh, but for me, I thought the funniest part was I, when I've been to Spain. Uh, even the Spanish were like, "No," because <laughs> I act like I act like a white dude most of the time. So it's <laughs> like it's not just appearance; it's like uh, how you carry yourself.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember when I went to Spain. This uh, gentleman at a restaurant he was serving us, and he just refused to believe me and my friend were from Venezuela. And he kept on saying, like, es que no actúas como una sudaca. And I'm like, what is a sudaca? And then I'm like, oh, I Googled it. And I was like, oh, this is actually a really offensive name for Latin American. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. And it was like, what is it about us that doesn't feel like you're notion of what I'm what what do you think I'm supposed to be doing right now not knowing how to use a fork and knife like what what, what?
0: like like little mermaid i with a dinglehopper
1: combing your hair <laughs> like la 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 like quiero una tortilla and also a fork because i have nuts in my hair like i don't know <laughs> what they expect <laughs> well i, I work oh, cruise
2: ships and um, oh, i do man. i do 5 different shows on carnival and i have so many versions of that opening where people don't believe i'm jose that I can just do a different one every five shows.
1: Also, every time I read more about you, I, I feel like there's just more information that just blows my mind. So how old were you when you moved from Cuba to the States?
2: Uh, so the Mariel Boatlift, which my family came in, mm. uh, well, most of them, uh, was in 1980. So in May of 1980, we were not at the beginning. I think we were middle to the end of the boatlift. Um, and so we got here in 1980. Uh and then we moved right to Rochester, New York, because my godparents lived up there. And they, the we had, we had already kind of arranged everything to come over here, because uh, my dad was a political prisoner. But then uh, they canceled everybody leaving the island, and they're like, "You got to leave, then you got to go through these internment camps, and you got to get on these boats, and you got to go that way with all the criminals and stuff." So that's how we ended up. So you were over you here, were but, on the boats
1: or- that are like oh. you know uh, infamous that brought all these, uh, you know, Fidel Castro purposely put all these criminals and and people that were in the jails and sent them to the United States. So you were on those, you were on that.
2: Yeah, well, it was, uh, you know, it was Jimmy Carter. He basically said, hey, if anybody in Cuba wants to come, America will take them. And Castro was like, well, my mental institutions and prisons are full. So let's do that. Um, And then the political prisoners that all had tickets to leave, they were like told that's the only way you can leave the island now. all airplane all airfare was canceled, all visas were canceled. this is the only way to go. Oh, and so it was this mix of like you know five to ten percent political dissidents and then like crazies and murderers like there was there was some substance to where they got the idea for scarface
1: <laughs> but like, do you how much of being Cuban? Like, do you remember your life in Cuba?
2: I have one memory that's legitimate, um, where I'm running out of these double doors with my cousin uh, Rolando. Uh, I even say it like a white dude, so I don't make them uncomfortable. But my Rolando, my, mi primo Roli, we're running out of these doors <laughs> in my aunt's house, and my mom was like, "Sí, eso pasó. Esa es la casa tu tía." And then. Aww. I have other memories that – actually, uh, we lived in Rochester for like a year, and then we moved to Puerto Rico for a year, and then we moved back to Miami. Wow. And I took my little sister, who's like 11 years older than me, younger than me, ice skating, and I remembered playing Little League hockey (laughs) in Rochester, right? And so I kept falling down at this ice rink. I'm like, well, it's not like riding a bike. I just forgot how to do it, right? I get home and I'm telling my sister this, and my mom was like, "¿Qué tú estás Yeah, mom, <laughs> remember I, when I played little league hockey when we lived in Rochester? Like, niño, tú no jugu- el hockey. Tú sabes cuánto cuestan esos pads y todas esas cosas. No, tú no jugaste. <laughs> I, I just made that memory up.
0: What? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't know where I picked Mighty it du- up. And Mighty so Ducks? that <laughs> that prompted me to go. Well, I have memories of Cuba. Let me ask my mom how many of these are real. Right. And that's the only one that was real.
1: Wow. Really? All oh, other were like created yeah. memories. So, so Mom, gotta, I don't remember we were on the
2: boat, when... like on the boat to Miami. It was at night, and I came out of the captain's quarters, and it was like lit, and it was at night, and everybody was covered with plastic, like trash bags because it was raining. And Mom was like, No, Nino, venimos el día. Like, oh, sh-. I just made that up. I just made that up. damn. Because yeah, so
1: you, you've heard throughout your life the story of you right. escaping Cuba. When I was so a kid. So your brain just was like, yeah, this makes sense. Let's make it dramatic. It's night.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's I raining. just filled in the gaps from her, yeah. all the stories. Like I know her stories of what happened. So I know we were on the boat. I know I was in the captain's quarters. Um, I know I woke up and the captain gave me a shot of whiskey, which knocked me out for 12 hours. <laughs> Because I was messing with the wires and stuff under the, the controls of the boat. And he was like, no, Nino. And then just, just a shot of whiskey and I was out. Um, but I remember I did wake up, right? I, I, my mom said that I woke up and the captain told her that he gave me a shot of whiskey. And she's like, oh, gracias. And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only Latina moms are like, thank you so much for getting my child drunk enough right, to pass right. it out.
2: Well, he didn't cry. <laughs> he never cried the whole time. Um <laughs> He was a little aggressive, and he liked country music. But uh, so I, I made up the gaps in the story, right? Mm. And so I, I just started asking my mom, "Well, uh, did this happen? Did this happen? This has happened?" And like seventy percent of the time, it was yes. But that that thirty percent of the time, she's like, "No, no, niño, no, yo nunca te pegué con el teléfono." Like it just,
1: <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny because your your made up memories are less crazy than your real life. Like, your father was a political prisoner. Like, that seems like something. It's like, oh, that's something crazy my brain made up. It's like, no, I just played a sport. Like, so your dad was a political prisoner, and then he was... Which is something we have in common. My my dad is exiled from Venezuela, and my uncle's a political prisoner. So, like, it's almost like we're cousins. You know what I mean? Like, we have that in common. Like, that's right. Was that something that you guys talked about a lot at home? Or, or once you arrived in the States, it was it just like, all right, let's, let's just assimilate... And forget the past, or was it something that was always active?
2: Um, I mean, that's probably why I became a comedian—is that we would take these really dark stories and we would tell them as jokes, right? So mm-hmm. um, I tell this really this story on stage that everybody's like, "That is so interesting," and I was like, "Yeah, but it doesn't have enough punchlines yet," and so I'm working on it still. But it's this story about how my mother basically like escaped the internment camp. To go get me money for food, right? Because they, as authoritarian governments do, they lied to everybody and said you don't need money. And so my mom brought you know condensed milk for the baby, and and my dad was like, uh, they told us you don't need to bring anything. And then we get there and you have to pay for everything. They didn't have anything for you. This is an
1: internment camp. And so my in, mom started running low on milk. This is in Cuba.
2: Yeah. So. Uh
1: huh. Wow. Yeah, this is
2: in Cuba. So they put they put us in like a like on a country club uh, for like a few days and then they moved us to this beach like right by the where they, the boats were coming and people were just like pooping and peeing in the water and it was like this encampment and they had like barbed wire and um, and they had guards and they would have protests outside, you know, like the fake protests that were arranged by the government. Fake um,
1: protests to make it seem like people
2: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. was it
1: Fake protests against you or fake protests
2: against, against us? Yeah. So Yankee go, oh, you know, go su- go suck, suck that Yankee dick and all that, you know. Interesting. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, or the yep. Cuban equivalent, Mama I say Yankee binga, you know. And then there were buildings next door, like overlooking the little encampment, and so people would yell obscenities at our family the whole time. Oh my god. And so my mom's running low on food for me, and she is freaking out. So. <laughs> Uh, They when there were not protests, they let people use the phone right outside. There's like a phone right outside the encampment. And my mom went to use the phone and just kept walking. So like straight up, like she could have been shot, just kept walking. Oh, my God. Hopped in a taxi, went to my um, my aunt's house. And like the way she tells it is funny. She like kicked the door open and like, El niño leche! and they, she's like, she mugged my aunt. Like took all her money. <laughs> um, <laughs> got back in the cab, right? And the cab driver's like, I, I, yeah, to say, I could go to jail if they, if they catch us. I'm not gonna leave you right, right close to it. And then as they get closer, while my mom had been gone, they had set up a protest. So they, there was a protest blocking her from getting to the encampment. So there's all these people and she just had to walk oh, through this, like the, she got out of the cab. She said, thanked him. And she just walked through this, like this protest pretending. Oh yeah. 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 And then oh. <laughs> she gets to the gate and the guard recognized her. And she's like, let me in. And the guy's like, Oh goodness. And let her in. And as he closed the gate, the crowd like lost their shit. Like they got crazy like murderous wanted to attack my mom.
0: I can imagine she's pretending to be one of them Either where she's like, just yeah. kidding.
2: And then mm. she showed up and like, look, I got money for the, for food, for the baby. And my mom was like, and my dad was like, de donde got eso, mujer loca, right? And, uh, which is very <laughs> oh. different. Me and my dad, very different. Cause I would have been like, mm, girl, you gon' get it for that, mm, <laughs> you deserve the pleasure.
1: You fought against a dictatorial regime. I mean, a, that was a regime. badass move. Yeah, yeah, that's right? a badass move. So Ooh. that
2: story, that story sounds really depressing. But right, uh, my mother would tell that, and we would laugh. We would right. laugh at these horrifying stories.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and that was the catharsis, right? Mm-hmm. To go through something horrible, and that's that's I think why Cubans have such like a dark sense of humor. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, because in yeah. those dark moments.
0: It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite Mcdonald's breakfast. It's even harder
1: not to eat said hash Browns
0: before
1: you get home Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. yeah
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: you know it's really interesting because during the uh food crisis in Venezuela and the inflation crisis where people were literally dying of hunger, there was this re- this resurgence of jokes. And this Atlantic writer realized that a lot of the jokes that were being said in Venezuela were actually the same jokes that had been said in like the 80s and 70s in you know Eastern Europe under communist rule. And it was just very small edits to the same jokes. And it sort of reiterated to everyone that in times of crisis, people, no matter where, need to resort to comedy in order to survive. Because and also, it absolutely. also tells
2: you that the authoritarian playbook is pretty consistent. Absolutely. Whether the authoritarian absolutely. is left wing or right wing, you know, if you're fascist or you're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a populist selling socialism and communism, the the playbook is the same. Right. Same shit. Yeah. Whether you take control by military action or a legitimate election, what comes after is this devolvement into authoritarianism. And it's very common. You see it throughout history. Um, And so for people like us, the important thing is to remind others of the path. Like, mm-hmm. hey, this is where it's going. And this th- these things have happened before. These are the signs. This is what's going to happen next, right? Um, and it's very hard for people to get it, right? To see in the long term how you, you know, how you devolve um, and eventually hurt the people. Even sometimes when you start trying to help the people.
1: So that's one of the reasons you like became a comedian, right? It's just like in your... I think that once you grew up in a situation where the whole, if you didn't laugh at it, it's a tragic existence. But if you laughed at it, it is just like, oh, my God, I I was born in a minefield of of hilariousness. Um, It was like a coping mechanism.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why I loved comedy. I was I tried to be an astronaut and uh, that turned out to be very hard. And so (laughs) (laughs) that's why I became a comedian. But. I love stand up since the moment I first saw it uh mm-hmm. or heard it um even though like the memory is now like darkened because it was bill cosby it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that like the power of of making people laugh and laughter uh was definitely mm-hmm. ingrained in me at an early age
1: so wait, so then comedy was ingrained yeah. in you, so then you graduated high school and you were like, oh. I know
2: what I want to do. I want to be in the Air Force. Well, actually, I, um, the Challenger exploded in 1986 and I was nine. It was this horrifying event because it was the first teacher in space. I was a little kid. I was all about NASA and, you know, the space program and, and everything. And so it was this very, can you imagine, like, it was the first teacher in space. So we were all watching it. But when I, because of that... It was like a call to arms for me. I wrote a letter to President Reagan saying, we got to get the space program back on its feet. If you need me, I will be the first kid in space. So I wrote him that. And my mom was like, yo te lo mando. Who knows? Right. So they wrote me back. There was a State Department letter. My mom had it for years. I don't know if she still does. They wrote back and basically said, stay in school, kid. Um, You know, like (laughs) pat you on the head kind of thing.
1: This is not going to be good for our uh, PR is to send a child
2: into space. Right. If it blows up again, that'd be worse. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's when it was born. And a lot of things in my life changed. I was very focused as a kid after that. I was always bright. But at, at that point, I started actually, bu- you know, bucking down and studying and being um, preparing for what I need to do because I read, oh, Air Force pilots, that's who generally gets to do it. and And, you know, and so mm. I set this path for myself as a little kid. After that happened,
0: that kind of reminds me when I wanted to be a doctor, and then my sister threw up all over her <laughs> pediatrician, and then I decided,
1: fuck that. <laughs> that was such a low bar, a- Jenny. Like throw up is this such a low bar. I thought you were gonna say like, and then I saw a cadaver, and yeah. it's like no, I just <laughs> I just saw my sister's
0: Taco Bell all over. Mira, te quiero, te quiero decir algo. Yo tengo something called emetophobia. Because, claro, like, how could I be a Cuban and not have a million neuroses? (laughs) So I have a phobia of vomiting. So to me as a kid, that was like, (gasps)
1: that was my challenger. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) Your call to arms. I like it. I'm the worst.
1: I am the worst. Your call to arms. It's okay. It's okay.
0: (sighs) Made up. But in terms of, you know, comedy, when did that moment happen for you that you... Or, like, I'm going to do this. Who did you look up to?
2: Um, Well, I watched a lot of stand-up. And um, so, like, for me, stand-up was, like, this, uh, like, kind of holy grail. Like, my friends knew, like, if I really liked a woman, I took her to a stand-up show. So, like, if I'm like, yeah, I'm taking, uh, you know, Maria to mm. the stand-up show. And they're like, oh, this is serious, you know. Because <laughs> yeah. I would do my research. I would know what kind of comedy she liked. I would call the club. Um, I would find out, you know, who the headliner was and who the middle act was and what, what kind of comedy they did. And I just researched it because I knew so many stand-up comics. And I actually could be funny with their jokes. Like, I had the timing and stuff in practice. But when I told stories, I, Dios mio, it was bad. <laughs> like, people, it was, I was an inside joke teller. So people would look at you like, okay.
1: Okay. Uh. And, and I was like, like, you <laughs> had to, you
2: had to be there. Like, yep,
1: you had to be at that internment camp at that beach to really understand what That's I'm right. saying. Yeah. You know? <laughs> really niche audience here.
2: <laughs> if you haven't pooped in the ocean, you really, you don't understand how funny it was.
1: The po- poop in the ocean, people. Anyone here? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, all right, guess it's not my crowd. But <laughs> yeah,
2: it's like the joke I tell on stage. My dad, my dad got a, we, my, I was conceived on a conjugal visit. My dad got a day pass from the prison and got my mom oh, pregnant.
1: Oh my fucking god. I oh. love
0: t- t-
2: well, t- that
1: you know though.
2: this. <laughs> and I would tell the joke. I'd be like, where my conju's at? Any other conceived. conjugal visit? Nope, just me? Okay.
0: <laughs> hey, you are special, my that's friend. Tr-
1: <laughs> that's true love right there, conjugal <laughs> visit baby. I was a honeymoon baby, and honestly, you you won up me there.
2: <laughs> the story happened because my dad got drunk, and the story I'd always heard was that he got a day pass, and they spent a the day together... And she'd always had a crush on him and had visited him in prison and, you know, brought him stuff. And so they fell in love. And then the next time they got married and got pregnant. Um, But the math doesn't work Mm. because I was born in April of 77 and my dad was released in February of 77. So, turns you know, out. She's, she's
1: trying to create her own memory, right. like you with the hockey. Yeah. <laughs> she created her memory that she married yeah. and then had the conjugal
2: visit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, what happened is the first visit, he got her pregnant. Uh, and then the second visit, my grandfather made them get married.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> the- honestly that's so much better of a that story is, yeah i like that <laughs> see that's a story i want to see on hbo i don't want the hallmark version i want the hbo version
0: I, know. I see so
1: so for you has like comedy been a way for you not only to obviously overcome the ridiculous tragedies of your life but you know you talk a lot about how y- people don't feel like you represent the version of cuban-american or latino whatever so is a lot of your sets are like yeah my name is jose and like that's my name it's not this mm-hmm. and that like where did you always struggle with that or, or or was that once you once you had a microphone in your hand or was it when you went to the air force and had to move around like when did all this start for you where it, it sort of created this comedic perspective
2: once I left Miami, that's when I encountered it, um, and it was all over the country, uh, all over the world, and it's just—I'd um, never met a Texan when I went to the Air Force Academy in Colorado, and then I met some Texans, and so mm. I didn't know what to expect with Texans. I just expected cowboy boots and big hats, and uh, they were a diverse group, right? And mm-hmm. this one didn't—this one that I met didn't have a drawl. At all. And I was like, how are you from Texas? He's like, I'm from Dallas. I was like, okay.
1: Mm. That Um, doesn't explain anything to me, dude. What, your airport's bigger? What are you saying?
2: (laughs) So it broadened my horizons. And what I realized, because I kind of represented my culture to whoever I met, I broadened theirs. Mm. So Mm -hmm. going forward, after meeting me, if they met a Hispanic or a Latino who was light-skinned, they would be like, oh, where are you from? Uh, You know, and then they can like, oh, there's Mm -hmm. there's Argentinians and there's Colombians and there's Cubans. There's the Spanish. And everybody's pretty pale. Um, So. um, I felt it was more instead of being judged, I kind of saw it more as helping like expand people's vision of how it works. Um, And Mm -hmm. and I think that viewpoint, because I could have taken the the I'm being attacked viewpoint but I think I learned from my parents that that was less effective right and it stressed Mm -hmm. you out more and stuff instead see it as a teaching moment also I was bullied as a kid right I was bullied as a kid and I discovered that um, there's ways to disarm bullies that Mm -hmm. they don't see coming because they get aggressive Mm -hmm. and they try to be powerful over you and when they do that, I I remembered why this one kid bullied me. I found out his dad was in jail and, you know, his his mm. mother had died. And it was just like this lashing out thing. So I think I was, you know, right before I joined sports and I stopped getting bullied playing sports, I remember this kid tried to like fight me. And I was like, are you okay? And like, he hadn't been asked that. And oh he's my like, God. Like it was like, and he got he got a little teary-eyed for a second, he had to walk away. Um, And so I picked that up as a kid and I think I translated that into adulthood. And so I don't take offense uh, as much as like, oh, this is a teaching moment. This is a a time to expand the horizons of this person. To respond with compassion is so, it's just not intuitive a lot of the time. Because when you get attacked, you want to attack back, you want to protect yourself, but um, if you mm-hmm. just stop for a second and be like, why is this person attacking me? And kind of try to find their pathway. It, it almost, oh, and I, I do that on stage. That's how I deal with hecklers, right? It's mm. this compassionate, treat wow. them like a drunk uncle.
1: You know, it's interesting you said the compassion thing because I didn't include this in my story from the beginning, which where this guy thought that because my last name was Hausman, I was this like Nazi I, it's funny, because I sort of became friends with him by the end of the evening. And the next day, I, I I texted my sister about it. And the next day, he was really sweet to us. And my sister knew what had happened. And she was like, how could you be nice to him? Like, what the fuck? And I'm like, and it, it, it makes it less funny. But I, I was just like, I. I want him to know I'm a good person. And, and, you know, so yeah. we became friends to the point where he would send up, che- the che- like, he sent up two cheese plates the nights that he would, oh. because he felt like, I didn't yell at him, right? It was like, oh, no, I totally understand. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. I had no idea. I'm Jewish. I'm Venezuelan. There's, that exists. And he's like, oh, I had no idea. And. There and you know it's crazy because this one time I tried to do that with a troll I had that was he was he was really abusive and a and, and atrocious in his comments it was just mind blowingly horrible what he would write to me and it turns out this guy was actually from my social social circle in Caracas he went to uh, this, a school where a lot of my friends went to he was my age he era un conocido as one would say. And I got his phone number. And I said, you know what? Oh. I think I need to prove to myself that people are good. And if I approach him with compassion, like, he's going to be my friend. And we're going to get past the fact he called me a, a whore being raped by communist. And, like, he's going to see the humanity in me. And it didn't happen. It just made him angrier. No. And it made him more uh, abusive. And then I realized... Oh, God, this guy must be going through some fucked up stuff. And it has nothing to do with me. No. Yeah. And that it, was like a weight being absolutely lifted. Absolutely not. Because it was like, oh, no, it has nothing to do with me. This guy is kind of sick. Yeah. And that's okay. So it, I'm just going to let it go. I'm not going to waste any more time on this. Because this isn't someone that through compassion, we created a common, like, understanding. This is someone who is beyond yeah. that, which means that it has nothing to do with the circumstance.
2: Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great, uh, I mean, you have to understand that some people are not ready to let go of their rage. Some people are not, they, they actually are scared to not be angry, um, to not be sad because they're scared of what comes after. Um, and so when you see people like that, I mean, you can either keep helping or just be like, good luck. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many
0: chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. You know, it's interesting because I don't know if, Jenny, this is like in my acting classes, they always say, Anger is the easiest emotion to perform. It's very easy. It's mm-hmm. an oh, yeah. improv.
0: Especially in improv. They always tell you, like, stop it. You don't anger have to go is, to anger automatically. It's an easy
1: acting choice when you are confronted with something. Yes. And I think that's the case in real life. I think that's normal. I think the reason we seek it in acting is because we seek it in real life. Anger is easy.
0: It's easy and... I mean, I'm glad that yeah. this is your viewpoint, mm-hmm. both of you, um, coming at things with compassion. Because a lot of the time, that's how I approach everything. That's how I've always approached souls for the so longest time. And but there's, but there's still that asshole in my head that's like, Jenny, come on, you're being soft. Like you can tell her off or whatever. Because I think society tends to, I don't know what it is, but it tends to worship these like comebacks like these mm-hmm. witty comebacks these like ooh burn you know and and when i don't do that you know i i feel like i'm weak sometimes or like give up but, you know but i know that's not true in my heart of hearts and that's why i don't it's just not who i am even though there's that societal part that's like you're a, you're a sassy <laughs> cuban woman <laughs> Time, time to you know really put her in her place or put him in his place and i I just can't bring myself to it because i'm also too involved in human psychology
2: (laughs) like i picked this up as this is one of my life skills that uh i picked up through experience and through seeing family and all that and one of them one of the ones that are just kind of innate for me is i know when to shut up Mm. uh i've 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 said stupid things but like 95 percent of the time if there's something that is happening i know when to shut up and later you're like laying in bed and like I should have I should have said this and you create all these scenarios in my mind of what I should have said but then I take them to their logical conclusion yes. and all of those end results are usually worse than what happened yeah. and so I think it's just my life experience yeah. and my family and, and how I grew up I picked up that that skill to like Oh, someone is being aggressive. Like, okay, you be aggressive and then just back away, right? And defuse the situation.
1: Well, I mean, you never had the opportunity to be able... Like, your parents were in a, you know, internment camp. He, yeah. They, a political prisoner uh, arrived to a new country. You don't have the luxury of being a Karen. Right. At any point. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't be a Karen. You got to, um, like, pick your battles. Because... Y-
2: right. Right. So they can't um, be a Karen. They can only be a Karen until they start talking. And then (laughs) people hear the accent and they're like, Huda! This is not a white lady. This is not a white lady. Yeah. This is a Karen.
0: That's what I tell all the Cubans in Miami. That's what I tell them, que se creen que son bien blanquitos. And I'm like, just go to Alabama. And like, you will feel like a foreigner quickly. Like, yeah, you might be white in terms of your DNA, pero mijita, you lost the white card.
1: Okay. That's right. <laughs> but there's something so it's interesting because and I'm sure this comes with also the privilege of the way that I look. But it was something a little bit exciting for me every time I knew someone never met a Latin American or never met a Jewish person that I was like, oh, my God, I'm an ambassador.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I get to I get to be. It's kind of like, oh, my God. Oh, I had a grit, I never liked tomatoes. And then I had a caprese salad at this one restaurant and it changed my mind and it's sort of like the responsibility we have is to be the tomatoes for someone that doesn't like tomatoes it's 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 a it's a big responsibility but it's also a great opportunity and i think about all the people that maybe would have never met someone with those identifiers yeah and it's like oh this this is an opportunity to change a lot of people's mind just by existing yeah. yeah, Not by making a video about these are the five reasons why. No, it's just by ordering a sandwich, like right. you were saying, or, you know, asking about their day. And a lot of what we do to change perception is just through existence.
0: Through existence. And obviously, if you're in the, you know, industry like we are, is just keep representing our culture uh, true to who we are as people and our experiences. Uh,
2: yep. And try to limit so the more, negative yeah. Try to, limit, Try the to negative limit the negative representation.
1: It's some- Dude, it's something that, yeah, Jenny and I have talked about. It's this weird dichotomy where, you know, oh, we see a lot of, like, people, quote, unquote, like us being represented as Al Pacino, right? That's that's the Cuban-American is Al Pacino in, uh, in the Scarface. Right. But then we also have the complete contrast, which is this, like, squeaky clean sanitized version of the Latino family and there's something about the way that you represent your identity that feels more real which is it just feels like there's tragedy there's unfairness there's comedy right mm-hmm. and it's and it's fine it's like it's all it, it, that's existence it isn't a binary of good and evil or bad and good or whatever it's yep. just complicated and you use comedy yeah. to get through it yeah yep. and Sometimes. then you also learn how to fly a plane for
2: fun well <laughs> that's a good Army, skill yeah. you want to have a pilot uh, if there's a zombie apocalypse so
1: <laughs> ah, claro. Mira I gotta say I have no other skills other than comedy I can memorize the reggaeton songs and that's it and you know how to you know how to fly a plane like I think you're the most skilled comedian <laughs> And he also knows how to play hockey,
0: you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In his no, mind. But I he's, don't know. he's
2: there. <laughs> no.
1: but
0: like you do. Mira,
1: mira. Let's you not know? tell
2: anyone. Let's just say you're a hockey player too. It's fine. I went to a Let's hockey, like it's the Panthers fun. game, and they pulled the goalie. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is happening? I What do you mean pull the goalie? What is... <laughs> can you just put nine goalies in if you wanted to? Like I just... It just... It, Oh, my I don't know. I'm so
1: bad at sports. I thought you meant literally pull the goalie out like violently. What pull the goalie meant like switching the goalie out? You take That's the goalie you
2: out, you put another player in. And I was like, Fun- you can do that. Wow. I clearly fact, never I played play hockey. hockey.
1: I also play hockey. I don't know if you knew that. I'm a professional hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, all these teeth are fake. <laughs> you, yeah. Oye, Jose, this has been like just an absolute treat to have you here with us. Um, it's it 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 literally feels like you're our cousin it's just like <laughs> impresionante <laughs> lo fácil que es hablar con alguien cuando tienes tanto en común
2: yeah el, el primo viejo i'm your i'm your old cousin I,
1: what are you talking about you I, you kept on saying like ni- in 1980 i was and i was like what the fuck how old is this guy
2: <laughs> you literally look, you 30, look 30, 30 which is good I, I got plenty of sleep and it's good lighting
1: yeah, good luck. Li- and being Cuban, Same. I feel like Cubans just and- eat well, usually. Usando la cremita
0: homes. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
1: of a detour.